You know, it's funny that Brother Cole said it that way because anything north of Saginaw for me is a long way. Um, so just to kind of familiarize myself with you, I guess I talked to you most of in the, the vestibule there. Uh, my name's Jesse. Uh, I'm from Pastor Reagan's uh, uh, Bible Believers Church in South Lyon there. Uh, I live in Manchester. I'm 42. I got a wife. I got three kids. Um, so... Um, if you like me, uh, I can't stay, and if you don't, I'll be leaving when the day is over. Um, but here's the thing, you know, um, through prayer and, uh, you know, just kind of meditation, thought, you know, uh, what to preach today, right? We have, we have one day, and we have three messages. And so um, I feel strongly that what the Lord showed me is what I'm going to share with you. And so here's the thing, you have your own pastor, and, uh, and he's much more qualified than me, right? I'm, I'm not even qualified to stand here, to be honest with you. I'm not sufficient, but, um, but the Lord has shown me a few things to share with you. And, uh, and I hope that at the end of the day, too, you know, I, I'm probably not going to show you anything neat, per se. Um, but what I'd like to do is be an encouragement to you, maybe a comfort uh, maybe, maybe, maybe show you or remind you uh, to be a comfort and an encouragement to others, right? Because, because we're all here this morning, right? And uh, and we're Bible believers, so we we know our book pretty well, which is which is the scary thing about standing up in front of other Bible believers, right? Because we all know our book, we know our doctrine, right? And so, what could I possibly show you that's something new per se, right? We don't need something new. The news will give us something new. It's, it's, it's not that that we need. What we need is to, 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 to come back down to, you know, you're out there in the world, and the world's beating you up, and it's, it's trying to pull you away, right? We just kind of need that moment to, to come back down, to, to get centered on our Lord Jesus Christ. So that's my goal today, right? And so what I'd like to do through the course of the day um, is, is kind of a progression, Okay, um, I got I got one day and three messages to to hopefully the Lord will breathe on it and I'll end up saying something useful for you here. Um, but what I'd like to do is 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 have a progression through the day, just kind of looking at the Christian life, right? And um, so we're going to start in Acts nine here. Um, give you a minute to turn there, and we're going to start with. Saul. And as we look at Saul, what we're going to look at is the Christian life, kind of the beginnings. Uh, and not just the beginnings, but when you get saved, when you meet the Lord Jesus Christ, there, there should be some changes that occur um, not on the outside, not, you know, just putting a nice suit on and saying I'm a church member. But there should be, there should be a, a, a real change. And so what I'd like to do is look at those changes. And, uh, and I think Brother Saul here, or eventually Paul, is, is, is a great example. He's our example. So I think he's who we should look to. Um, but before I, I read a word, um, let's go to the Lord in prayer and just kind of ask for his blessing here on this service today. So, um, dear Lord, I'm, uh, I'm thankful to be here this morning. I'm, I'm humbled to stand before your people and to open your book and to, um, to teach your word, Lord, to, uh, 
to minister to your people because they're your people, Lord. They're not mine, and um, and yeah, we're we're brothers and sisters, Lord. But they uh, they belong to you, and and so do I. And um, so I'm I'm not sufficient, Lord. I'm I'm just a sinner, and um, and it's a big deal to uh, to stand up here uh, before other sinners and and to speak in your place, Lord. And so I just pray for your control. I pray that you be with my heart, my mind, my mouth. And uh, I pray that you guide the, the service here this morning, and uh, I just pray that your people could be blessed uh, uh, because of it, Lord. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. So let's go through Acts 9 here and uh, just kind of get into it. Starting in verse 1. And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went unto the high priest and desired of him letters to Damascus to the synagogue that if he found any of this way, whether they be men or women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven. And he fell to the earth, and he heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise, and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. And the men which journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no man. And Saul arose from the earth, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no man. But they led him by the hand and brought him unto Damascus. And he was three days without sight, and neither did eat nor drink. And there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him said the Lord in a vision, Ananias. And he said, Behold, I am here, Lord. And the Lord said unto him, Arise, and go into the street which is called Straight, and inquire in the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he hath prayeth, and hath seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him, that he might receive his sight. Then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard by many of this man how much evil he hath done to thy saints at Jerusalem. And here he hath authority from the chief priests to bind all that call on thy name. But the Lord said unto him, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me, to bear my name before the Gentiles and the kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. And Ananias went his way and entered into the house, and putting his hand on him, said, Brother Saul, the Lord, even Jesus, that appeared unto thee in the way as thou camest, has sent me that thou mightest receive thy sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. And immediately there fell from his eyes as, as it had been scales, and he received sight forthwith and arose and was baptized. And when he had received meat, he was strengthened. strengthened. Then was Saul certain days with the disciples which were at Damascus. And straightway he preached Christ in the synagogues that he is the Son of God. But all that heard him were amazed and said, Is not this he that destroyed them which called on this name in Jerusalem and came hither for that intent, that he might bring them bound unto the chief priests? But Saul increased the more in strength and confounded the Jews which dwelt at Damascus, proving that this is very Christ. Now, so here's the thing. What I want to do is look at the Christian life, right? So this morning, I want to take a, I want to start, right, with 
Paul's example of what the Christian life should look like, okay? Um, we're going to start with a calling, right? There's a, a changing process, and then he's going to start spreading the word here, right? So to be a Christian isn't about achieving sinless perfection, okay? We can't do that. Now, the Bible talks about different men being perfect, right? You had Job, right? Job, Job was perfect. But perfect does not mean sinless. In our version of perfect, perfect is perfect, right? But in God's version of perfect, you could be really, really, really good, but you're not going to be sinless, and yet you're still perfect, right? And Job was an example of that, but that's another message. So what I want to focus on is this change of direction, right, this change of identity that occurs, right, and then the concern that he shows for others pretty much immediately. So what I'd like us to do as we consider Saul, it's hard to call him Paul, as we consider Saul, uh, uh, is ask ourselves, right, as we look at his example, where, where do we fit with that? Where's, where's his experience versus where's our experience, right? Uh, Paul is our example, okay? So the question is, how are we following Saul's example? Now, let's look at the call. So we're just going to go back through verse 1 and 2. And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter, threatenings and slaughter, that's pretty intense, right? Against the disciples of the Lord went unto the high priest and desired of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogues, that if he found any of this way, right, any of this way, disciples of the Lord, if he found any of this way, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. Now, here's the thing. We're at church, and I'm going to assume that you folks are saved here today, right? I'm saved. Praise the Lord, right? And we're saved. We're in a Bible-believing church. We have our Bible, and our Bible is our focus, right? So we get that. Now, there's this eight-letter word, I guess, called religion. I almost hate that word. I, I almost hate it, right? Because we get looped in with something else. I'm not even sure how to describe it. It's something else. Is it man worship? Yeah, a little bit. Is it paganism? Yeah. Uh, is it? It's it's a number of things. It's it's idolatry. It's it's tradition. It's it's all these things, right? And what it's not about here is religion, right? But here's the thing: um, when you're dealing with the religious type, which Saul is in this passage, right? They're a hard shell to crack. Okay, uh, think of like a coconut per se, right? A coconut, that's a hard shell to crack, right? So what do you do? You get your hammer and you start hoping, right? How do you get that sucker? But you got to be careful, right? You get your hammer out, you pull out your sword, Peter, and the next thing you know, you're cutting people's ears off. And they still believe in that religion. Now you're the bad guy, right? And a lot of times I think we do turn into the bad guy. I know I've turned into the bad guy many times. I failed more than I've succeeded with leading any religious person to the Lord Jesus Christ. 
And here's the thing, there's a reason for that. They believe they're doing right. They stand firm on what they believe. Um, and the, the thing you gotta realize that when you're dealing with that is that they're dedicated. I mean, they are dedicated to the wrong thing. Now, uh, flip over to Philippians real quick. Philippians chapter three. We're just going to look at, at Saul's dedication here. Chapter 3, verse 5. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as touching the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. Wow. Think about that. Paul's next level. Right? He's not your average Kappa. Right? Those people are devout. But here's the thing, it's not about a religion, right? It's not about confession. It's not about crackers. Do they recognize that those are bought at the store? I wonder. I don't think they do. I really don't. I, I don't think they do. Like, hey man, why don't you Okay, I get it. You're devout. You show up every week, okay? Get to know your priest. Is that what they call them? Get to know your priest a little bit better. Get involved in the church. Take a part, okay? And then get to the spot where you see the box of the wafers, right? Just like Ritz crackers. That's all they are. But these people are devout. They are dedicated to the wrong thing, okay? So what are we going to do about this, right? Because the problem is... It's not so much what they do. If they want to do that, that's fine, okay? It's not my job. It's my job to, to try, right? Woe to me if I don't preach the gospel. The Lord has put that on me. And so it's the sort of thing like, yes, I, I, I will be obedient and I will try, Lord. But it's not my job to save the world, right? Uh, one man plant, another man watereth, and God gives the increase, Right? So, I mean, a farmer plants things that don't sprout up. Is, is that his fault? You know, he tried, okay? So now here's the thing, though. Those people are our friends. They are our family. They are our neighbors. They are our coworkers. They're people we care about. And they're, they're, they're dedicated to the wrong thing. They're blind. They're blind to the truth is what it is, right? They want to believe the leadership in which they're under. Now, focusing too much on that isn't necessarily going to help us here in this moment because we're all saved and we're sitting at a Bible-believing church, right? But we do want to recognize the issue at hand and the issue that's at hand with Saul here in our passage, right? It's not that he's trying to do wrong. He believes himself to be doing right, okay? Even though he's breathing out threatenings and slaughter, right? Um, but he's blind to the truth, right? And the problem is that all these people I mentioned, they don't recognize that they are blind to the truth. So it's not about religion. It's about a response. So back in our, our passage here, uh, Acts 9, let's look at a couple more verses, picking up in verse 3. As he journeyed, he came near Damascus. 
and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven. And he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. Now here's the thing. We have a man that's dedicated. He believes he's following the Lord, right? And he's about to learn otherwise because the Lord manifests himself, right, in such a way that he cannot deny, okay? Now, the Lord made himself real to me, right? I've heard a lot of stories about people that were in a bad spot, and then they, they sought the Lord. Um, and I guess maybe I was, you know? In, in this very moment, I, I think about that because I wasn't when I got saved. But you know, when I originally started talking to the Lord, I actually was. So I guess I got to backtrack on my own thoughts. But the, the fact of the matter is the day I got saved, right, there was, the, by the way, there was like uh, 21 years between there. Um, so the day I got saved, I wasn't having a bad day. I wasn't in a mess, none of that stuff, right? Um, but the Lord made himself real to me. Now, I think that we all would uh, hope to, to see the manifestation of Jesus Christ like he showed himself to Paul, but we shouldn't be surprised that he did this for Paul because what was Paul? He was a Jew. Jews require a sign, right? So none of that should surprise us. The concept that he did something extra to, to show a Jew shouldn't surprise us at all. And in verse 6 here, we see it, right? So in trembling and astonished, right? The Lord is right there in front. He says, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do, Right? We have an acceptance of Jesus Christ as Lord, okay? In that moment, Paul got saved, just like that, just like that. The second he said, Lord, that was the acceptance of Jesus Christ as his Lord. And then you see his willingness to follow because he says, what will thou have me to do, right? Now, so we've talked about uh, the call, right? We've talked about... Uh, it's not about religion, it's about a response. So now Paul is saved, Saul is saved, I'm sorry. Saul is saved here, and so now I want to look at the journey, okay? Uh, because the journey begins here with a change of direction. So now verses 6 and 7 here, and trembling and astonished, right, said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. Arise and go into the city, Right? And it should be told thee. And the men which journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no man. Okay? Here's the thing. Paul was on a mission, right? He had already purposed in his heart that he's going to go do these things, right? And, and he had an agenda, okay? He had an agenda, but right now he, he just faced Jesus Christ. The Lord just told him what to do. He accepts the Lord as Lord. And what will thou have me to do? And his entire list of objectives just changed, right? He's not holding back for what he thought to do, right? He's not holding back because, Lord, I know what I'm doing, right? He's, it's all about, oh, man, 
okay, what will thou have me to do, right? And he's fitting to do that, right? But what you want to realize, right, and this goes into what we were talking about earlier about our friends, our family, our neighbors, our coworkers. Okay, so we've been saved. We've been enlightened that the King James Bible is the written word of God, that you have no other way to get to know your Savior but through this book, through, through getting on your knees and talking to the Lord. Uh, that's it, right? It's not about taking a bath, you know? I mean, baptism is good. It's a public testimony. But just because you take a bath, you're not saved, right? Just because you eat a wafer, you're not saved. Some of these people are weird. They whip themselves and all that. What is that doing for God? Right? You'd wish they'd ask themselves, what is that doing for God? Right? And so, but here's the thing. Paul's friends, what did it say? And the men which journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no man. Okay? We've all seen Jesus Christ. Am I right? That's why we're saved. That's what brought us to our knees to say, Lord, would you please save my soul, right? A recognition of who he is and what we are and our need for him, okay? Paul saw that. They all heard that, right? Our friends, families, coworkers, they all know that the word of God exists, but they saw no man. We've seen Jesus Christ. What about all those other people, right? They saw no man, right? So just because the Lord has manifested himself real to you, that took you to your knees, right? That doesn't mean that the people around you will feel the same. No matter how much you love them, no matter how close you are to them or not or what have you, right? Paul's friends, they heard the voice. They've heard the word. They know it exists but they saw no man, right? They weren't affected like he was, right? And that's going to be the case for us too. And so as we talk about the Christian life, we need to recognize that, right? Because we're going to live out our days, and this is all very real to us. But to the person riding in your passenger seat, maybe not, okay? You need to recognize it. Now, we're going to read a little bit more here, uh, verse 8, right? And Saul arose from the earth, and when his eyes were open, he saw no man, right? He already saw him, but at this point the Lord has, has went on, right? But they led him by the hand and brought him unto Damascus, and he was three days without sight, and neither did eat nor drink. And there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias, and in him said the Lord in a vision, Ananias, and he said, Behold, I am here, Lord. And the Lord said unto him, Arise, and go into the street, which is called Straight, and inquire in the house of Judas, for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he prayeth, and is seen in a vision a man named Ananias, right? So he's, 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 he's expecting this, right? The Lord just made himself known to him, and he showed him that this is going to happen, right? And so this is also going to be like uh, another thing for Saul to, to stand firm on, right? Because he is seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him that he might receive his sight. Then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard by many of this man how much evil he hath done unto thy saints at Jerusalem. And here he hath authority from the chief priest to bind all that call on thy name. 
But the Lord said unto him, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and the kings and the children of Israel, for I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. And Ananias, Ananias <laughs> went his way and entered into the house, and putting his hands on him said, Brother Saul, Brother Saul, the Lord, even Jesus, that appeared unto thee in the way as thou camest, has sent me that thou mightest receive thy sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. Okay, so what just happened here? Okay, so Paul was saved, right? And, and he receives the Holy Ghost, right? And with Ananias here, right, he is sent to, to, to give him back his sight, right? But here's the thing. Saul needs a change of identity, okay? Ananias knows about this guy, right? And, and, and the thing is, like, you can't reflect the Lord Jesus Christ while you're breathing out threatenings and slaughter, okay? You can't do it like that. You can't do it at the bar, right? It's not about this concept that you're ever going to be sinless. But if you care about all those folks that we just talked about, then you have to recognize that how you carry yourself matters, okay? Now, I'm not saying I don't fail, right? I get, I get frustrated sometimes. I have three kids. I think I told you that. And nothing will test you like your children. Matter of fact, I think they want to do I, I honestly think that my kids want to test me. Um, uh, you would think that they want it, and I say that because we've talked about this, and we've talked about this, and we've talked about this. And now we've talked about this, right? But I'm not really reflecting the Lord Jesus Christ in that moment, right? And so I'm not saying that you shouldn't parent. You should be, you should, you should draw the line with your kids. It's good for them, okay? Um, but out in the world, right, as we're dealing with things, right, we cannot reflect the Lord Jesus Christ while we're breathing out threatenings and slaughter, right? And so here we have the importance of the preacher. In rolls Ananias, okay? Now, Ananias recognizes this guy, right? He's like, oh, man, this guy? Lord, this guy? Verse 13, then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard by many of this man how much evil he hath done to thy saints, right? Lord, this guy? This guy? But here's the thing. Ananias is willing to follow the Lord, right? He's willing to follow the Lord. The Lord's, Lord saved this man, okay? He's willing to accept a brother. He called him brother, brother Saul, right? He's willing to accept him, okay? No matter what he was yesterday, okay? No matter where he was on that religion train, right? No matter how blind, how confused, what a mess, he's accepting him today, right? Because today he's recognized Jesus Christ. Today, the Lord has told him that he has a plan for this guy, right? Now, he accepts him as a brother, and he accepts he's willing to teach him, right? So this, to me, this shows the long-suffering of a pastor, right? My pastor is long-suffering, I'll tell you that. I'm a mess today, but I was a bigger mess when I got to that church, and that man has been long-suffering with me, right? I have a very out-there personality. Uh, what do they call that? Um, 
always forget this word when I'm trying to explain myself. Uh, an ex, I'm an extrovert. I have a real hard time containing myself, a real hard time, right? You have introverts that just kind of sit there and they're like watching everything in the room. I, I can't do it. I have to talk about everything in the room. And so the long-suffering of a pastor, right? Now, the Lord is fitting to give this man a new reputation because his old reputation was that he was evil. He was evil against the disciples. He was known for breathing out threatenings and slaughterings, and he was known for taking the disciples bound, right? Like yesterday, he was willing to throw you in prison for this stuff. He was willing to kill you, your wife, your children, all that stuff, right? But the Lord has done something, right? The Lord has is, is, is made himself known. This man is saved. This, this man, who he was yesterday, cannot be held account for who he is today. The man that I was, you know, 10 years ago is not who I am today, right? So what we have is, as we look at Saul, we're going to have a guy that goes from persecutor to preacher, right? Not just any preacher, but in a nutshell, okay? So now pick back up in verse 17. And Ananias went his way and entered into the house and putting his hand on him said, Brother Saul, the Lord, even Jesus, that appeared unto thee in the way as thou camest, has sent me that thou mightest receive thy sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. And immediately there fell from his eyes as it had been scales, and he received sight forthwith and arose and was baptized. And when he had received meat, he was strengthened. Then was Saul certain days with the disciples, which were at Damascus. Okay, so Paul is saved. He received the, uh, the Holy Ghost, right? And now his sight, right? And now the thing about that sight that's, uh, you know, the Lord has kind of pricked me a couple times talking about that. And so... What I want to do is flip over to Matthew real quick. Matthew chapter 13. Let's look at that. Let's look at this site. Matthew 13. And we're going to pick up in verse 15. For this people's heart is waxed gross, and their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes they have closed lest at any time they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and should understand with their heart and should be converted, and I should heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For verily I say unto you that many prophets and righteous men have desired to see those things which ye see and have not seen them and to hear those things which ye hear and have not heard them. Now, there's like the quick understanding that I have is, sure, there's been prophets. What's the difference between us and the prophets? We have a complete canon of Scripture, right? So we see things that they didn't see. Okay, that's fine. And, and that's, to me, that's an easy, quick application that makes a lot of sense, right? Because we have the complete words of God here, okay? Um, they didn't have that. So, but I think there's more to it than that, right? I've, I already said, so Paul received a sign, right? He, 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 he saw something that we're not going to see today, right? 
he saw this physical manifestation. We're not gonna get that, right? I think there was another, I think there was two signs that were given in that moment. And maybe this is just me. Maybe your pastor will correct me when he gets back. But what I think, right, as I, as I, ponder, as I ponder that, I think there was a second sign given, and it was that blindness, okay? Now, and my reason for that is I think that Paul was physically blinded to show him how spiritually blind he was. And not just him, but to, you know, the lost people, right? How, how blind they really are. They can't see their way, right? They're blind. So to me, I think this was actually a second, a second sign, a second miracle that the Lord did for Paul. And, and quite frankly, I think he was left with it, right? He besought the Lord three times to, to remove that thorn in the flesh. I think the Lord left it there as a reminder. Like, hey, man, do you remember how blind you were? Right? Don't forget that. So anyway, so, um, so, uh, so, so and it also says that he received meat and he was strengthened, right? So now I get it, right? So where was it? Uh, verse 9, it said, and he was three days without sight, right, and did neither eat nor drink. Okay, now I want to make a spiritual application to that because it says that he received meat and he was strengthened, right? Well, what does the Bible say about meat? So over in Hebrews, in chapter 5, In verse 13, it says, For everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. Okay? But strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age, even to those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Exercise, that's a verb, right? It takes action, okay? But, but strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age, right? Even to those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. So what does that mean, right? So you take in the meat, right? And now, now that you're, you, you've, you've gone from the milk and honey, you're into the meat, right? And so the meat is, is what's really going to strengthen you. Okay, it's the meat that's going to increase your faith, right? It's going to inspire your obedience, okay? And it's also going to uh, improve your fellowship, right? Because now you're understanding more clearly, right? So let's try to understand. So, uh, um, so meat, right, uh, in, the, in the physical go-to-the-store form, right, that's more solid than milk and honey, okay? Now, milk and honey tastes good, sure, but it's not going to sustain you, right? It's not going to really fill you up. It's not going to keep you going, okay? And so it's the meat of the word that's going to do this for you. And Paul receives this meat, right? And now he's strengthened, okay? So now he's going to take what he's, he's going to take this change, right? And he's, he's, he, he's going to, he's learned some things, right? And now he's going to do something you, with it. So if you pick back up in verse 20, it says, And straightway he preached Christ in the synagogues, that he is the Son of God. 
But all that heard him were amazed and said, Is not this he is the is not this he that destroyed them which called on this name in Jerusalem and came hither for that intent, that he might bring them bound unto the chief priests. But Paul increased the more in strength. There it is again, right? Do you think he's still eating? Like how long was this man, right? So I'm just saying, I, I believe it's the meat of the word, right? He's increased more in strength and confounded the Jews which dwelt at Damascus, proving that this is the very Christ. Okay, so straightway he preached Christ in the, in the synagogues, right? So now I'm asking you, uh, I mean, are you sharing what the Lord's done for you? Look at the reaction of this man, right? Uh, have we forgotten what that was like, right? Now, I, I remember when I first got saved, man, I was on fire. I would have went out and witnessed to a, to a flagpole if you let me. I already told you I'm an extrovert. I almost forgot that word already. I would have witnessed to, to this pulpit. I would have witnessed to the carpet. I mean, I was on fire, right? I'm only going to ask you to turn one more time over to John, right? Just so we can get an example, John 4. The Bible has to define the Bible. When we start taking it out of that, then that turns into our thoughts. So we have the woman in the well here, right? John 4, verse 28, the woman then left her water pot and went her way into the city and saith to the men, come see a man which told me all things that I ever did. Is not this the Christ, right? What did she do? What did she do to do that? She went out there and said, you know, uh, let, me, let me show you a man that told me all things I ever did. What that means is that man knew her, right? And so it's, it's simple, right? It's simple, right? We want to we wanna get our book out. We want to quote verses, and we want to give people all this extra stuff that's not going to help them to get saved, you know? If... <laughs> There's, there's some things that will that'll keep you going in this book. There's a lot of things that will keep you going in this book. But we need to keep it simple to get people to the feet of Jesus, right? What did he do for me, right? Uh, um, uh, and that was personal, right? It was about me in those moments. But here's the thing, right? So the woman in the well, right, and Saul, we have two examples of of a baby Christian, right, on fire for the Lord, right? And so now here's the thing. We as people that have been around a little bit, like the Lord needs to be part of our conversation, right? We can't just, we can't just, we can't just get to be saved for a few years and then give up talking about the Lord because, because we're taking our blessing for granted, right? What we need to be doing is, is witnessing, right, sliding the Lord into those conversations, right, being a good witness and a testimony when we're, out in the, when we're out in the world, okay? We're not looking to provide magic tricks and the, the, the meat of the doctrine. We're just, man, God has been good to me. The sun is shining. What a day we have, right? Because the thing is, we need to keep having those babies. And I don't mean babies. I got three kids. I don't want no more, right? So, but we do need to have baby Christians because baby Christians, not only is there the fact that they just got saved and praise the Lord for that, but they're going to go out there and they're going to witness to this microphone and to these leaves and this flagpole, and they're going to go tell everybody because it's a very real thing, right? 
And when it's new and exciting, I mean, a baby Christian will go tell the world, right? And, and we need that, right? And what are they going to tell him? So in verse 20, it's, it's real simple, right, that he is the son of God. We need to remember, right, because it's so easy for us. It's so easy for us as we get further down the road to forget there are some things that are, that are simple and plain and, and it's like entry-level Jesus Christ, right, that he's the son of God. Do we recognize how many people don't recognize Jesus as the Son of God, right? There's a progression, right, that Jesus was a man, right, and that he was a prophet, and that he was the Son of God, and that he is God, okay? There's a progression that we've already established for ourselves, but it's easy to forget that there's a whole slew of people that aren't even sure that he existed, and it's like, well, you can check secular history and see if he existed. You know, you could you could ask the other religions that don't agree with me if he existed. Okay, so so that part's pretty easy. But a lot of people get stuck on that prophet phase, right? I got some people that I love and multiple that can't seem to get past that, right? We can't forget that, right? Um, and and so here we have Paul. He just got saved, and he's like, oh, he's the son of God, right? And so. The people were amazed by this, though, right? And it's not Jesus Christ that they're amazed by. It's Saul. It's the change that just happened to Saul. Because last week, this guy was going to gut me, and here he is telling me that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, right? The people are amazed. They're astonished. They're like, what just happened to this guy, right? So, well, what just happened? Well, he just got saved, right? He's... He's young, he's fired up, he's hungry, he's eaten up his doctrine, right? He's been strengthened, right? He's learned more because he's, he's focusing on the meat of the word, right? And so the people all see this change in him, right? And so it's, it's, it's not necessarily, I need to say this right. It's not necessarily the book that's going to lead people to salvation. It is. It is the book. It is the word. It is the scripture. And there'll be a time for that, right? But it starts with you. It starts with that, that initial conversation, right? Because you can't just walk up to a stranger and be like, right? I worked sales for a minute, just, just for a minute. It, it wasn't for me. But when they put me in the class, they sat down, they sat us all down. I was in a, like a classroom. And uh, they sat us down, and uh, the instructor on the, on the whiteboard here, he drew a big question mark and said, this is, your, this is your sales. He said, and the question is how to get those sales. He said, but the thing is, most of this question gets filled up with one thing. What do you guys think it is? Nobody, nobody in the room had the slightest inkling to what it really was. Because you would think it's the product, right? You would think it's the marketing, the branding, the, the way it's presented. It's you. It's you, right? And so as we're looking at Saul here, right, the people saw this change in him, right? And what you want is them to see Christ in you, right? To see him reflected, right, in you. Because they don't see him, right? They know the word exists. 
They've heard some of it, but they saw no man. Well, you're that man, right? The idea here is that they are seeing Christ in you. So here's the thing. I was a knucklehead when I was a kid. I did not grow up in church. Um, not at all. There was never a Bible in my home as I was a child, right? And so I don't want to say too much there. I forgive my parents, and I want to lead them to Jesus Christ. They actually grew up in a religion, and they were one of those very hard shells to crack. But with that in mind, they were never focused around the book, and so therefore the book never existed, right? And so I, I really didn't have any guidance in that way. It was just living for myself, you know, uh, making a mess of things. And so here's the thing. I don't do social media. I want no part of it. Before I got saved, I got to a spot that, you know, I wanted to, 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 to be an adult and do some adulting, right? And, and accomplish some things, right? Do more than just be a fool today, right? And so I'm not really connected to anybody, you know, and it's, it's not a hard feelings thing, you know, I'm 42 years old. If you knew me when I was 17, and if we stumble upon each other, I want them to be amazed. Like, what? What happened to you, you know? Because I want them to see Jesus Christ in me. Jesus Christ obviously had to do something to this guy for him to tell me that he's preaching church sometimes now. You know, he's in Bible school. Like, are you serious, you know? That's, that's what I want. I want the same thing. And the reason for it is in verse 22, right? At the very end, right? Proving that this is the very Christ. It's about him. It's, at the end of the day, it's not about me. It's not about Saul. It's not about you. It's about Jesus Christ and what he did because he, he, he made himself real, right? There was a calling, right? There was a response. Now there's sharing that with others. And at the end of the day, we want to reflect him, right? And it's not because of us. It's because we're thankful for what he's done for us, right? And so we want other people to see Jesus Christ because of how good he's been for us, right? So now as we conclude, right, we've looked and we've taken a peek, right, at the Christian life, right? We had a man that thought he was doing right, okay? He was dedicated, right? Next level, dedicated. But he was void of understanding, right? And so he met Jesus Christ, right, and he gets introduced to his word, and now all of a sudden there's a, a change of direction, a change of identity. This man's out there witnessing the folks, right? Jesus Christ is the son of God, right? And so there's all this stuff here, right? And so the question I'll leave you with here today, right, is how does his experience match up with your experience, right? Where are you, right? Uh, I'm assuming that you've met Jesus Christ where uh, a pretty small group here when I initially put this together, you know, I figured that maybe there might be a lost person in the room, but I'm going to make the assumption that we're all saved here today, right? There's only a handful of, is, you guys are saved, right? Okay, because we could, we could make time. And so if that's the case, ask yourself, are you on the milk and honey, right? Or are you trying to, to learn that meat, right? That meat is what's going to strengthen you. When we venture back out here, it's going to get nasty. It's going to get brutal. The world's going to weigh on you. They're going to present things to you. They're going to 
And they're going to think they're right. They're going to think very solidly that they are right, right. Are you on that meet, right? And so now here's the thing. Are you the same person that, that you used to be? Now, I'm not saying that you got to go rush out and, and put a suit on and wash the car and, and present yourself this, this, uh, this, this like fake way, per se. You know, it's not, it's not real because, you know, but are, are you the same person inside, right? And so when people talk to you, right, I mean, can they tell? Can they tell that something has happened, that, that the Lord has, has made himself real, right? And so, well, how do you do that, right? So the, the change comes, the more you get to know Jesus Christ, right? You know, the change, the change begins, the Lord shows you things, right? And so are you still sharing their concerns? You know, and I, and I, I don't want to say this wrong, and, I, and before I say it, I'm going to say that I did lose a family member to COVID, maybe, right? Maybe. Now, I, I, there's some shadiness there. So. I work in the public. I could not allow myself to be as freaked out as the news wanted me to be, right? Literally, that happens, right? The governor comes on in April and shuts the state down. I moved since then, but at the time, I lived in a neighborhood. I swear that summer vacation for the adults happened like right in that moment. And it went from me being the last person to leave for work and the last one to be home to being the only guy seemingly in this neighborhood that's still going to work, right? I couldn't be concerned about that. But I couldn't be concerned about that for more than just that reason. I couldn't be concerned about that because I have the Lord Jesus Christ. And if the Lord Jesus Christ is going to punch my ticket in that way, then ultimately I have no say in the matter anyway, it is what it is. The Lord is going to, or sorry, the world is going to continuously run all these things by you. The news is going to keep it going. They're going to try to keep you all worked up and concerned and scared, right? And so here's the thing. Are you sharing those concerns or are you seeking the Lord, right? And now lastly, have you done anything to try to help anybody else, right? So as the Lord strengthens you, right, have you done anything to try to help anybody else, right? And when you're trying to do that, let's say you are trying to do that, are you sharing something that anybody would want? That's it. Let's close in a Lord of Prayer. Dear Lord, I thank you for this opportunity to gather here this morning. I thank you for your word. I, I thank you for loving us, Lord, for saving us, for for teaching us and, and being long-suffering with us, Lord. And uh, I just pray that you continue to, to help us to, to learn and to grow and to be strengthened by you. And I just thank you so much for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.